0: You're listening to Igniting Imagination, a podcast to spark the spirit within you from the Leadership Ministry team at Wesleyan Investive and Texas Methodist Foundation. This season, host Lisa Greenwood, co-host Tim Sorens, and special guests explore spiritual formation. What is formation and what is the church's role in formation? Join our email, contact us, and find more resources from Leadership Ministry at tmf-fdn.org. Hello, friends, and welcome to a special bonus episode of our podcast. We did an experiment just a few weeks ago and recorded live at a recent gathering we hosted in Austin, Texas, and I'll just say right off the bat, this is so worth listening to. I'm really glad we did this because you'll get to hear from 11 practitioners of digital and physical ministry, or fidgetal, as I've now learned to say. (laughs) These are deeply faithful leaders who are really pioneers in digital ministry, and we get to hear from them what they're experiencing and learning and the kinds of questions they're asking. So we'll start with the question we've been exploring all season on our podcast, what is formation? And then we'll dig deep into the digital space and what it makes possible for formation. You'll hear them talk about everything from designing apps to virtual reality in the metaverse and so much more. All right, with that, enjoy this thought-provoking conversation with these amazing leaders. And as always, we hope it sparks the spirit within you and leads you to your next faithful step in your context. And we would love to hear from you. You can sign up for our emails and reply directly to me. Thanks so much for listening. And we're really grateful for you, our listeners and friends. Hello. Thanks for being with us. This is our first ever live recording of our podcast. And we're thrilled to have a group here. And um, to our (laughs) listeners, let me say, let me set the stage. (laughs) Here we go let me set the stage a little bit we are in austin texas at this kind of funky very austin-esque texas chic modern but retro kind of um hotel space a venue. A yeah right, they have there bike, you go they right? have
1: bikes you can borrow yes like, just grab a bike and,
0: exactly and and super cool courtyard space. And the group that is gathered is here to talk about discipleship in the digital space. And we've been gathering online and in person for a couple of years now. And um, pretty quickly when we started this project, we realized that we thought we were going to be talking about all the digital technologies and techniques and digital space but pretty quickly we realized we were going to be talking about discipleship Mm -hmm. and formation and how we are formed and how the church is engaging in or not engaging in formation, and that brought us to a much deeper place. And and really, the basic question in in this um, has been, what is formation, and how are we being formed, and what is the church's role in that, and how has that role changed? Mm. And so, joining me at the mic right now is um, Matt Rawl. Matt, hey. say hi. Hi, <laughs> Rachel Billups. <laughs> Hello, and Christian Washington. Present. Awesome. <laughs> awesome,
2: And we also have
0: um, others gathered with us in the room and we'll be taking turns rotating people in and out for this conversation. And let me say that the bios will all be in the show notes. And so I hope you'll check that out. And so I wanna start with just that kind of ha-ha so, uh, softball question of what is formation? And so will you all just jump in with yeah. what, what we're talking about when we're talking so about formation.
1: At least for, for, for my brain, I have to come up with a, a definition. Okay. And then expand the definition and then blow it up and then rewrite it. Right. So, like, where, where I am now, uh, uh, and we still have two more days to like figure this out. So, formation to me is the transformational hospitality of radical belonging. Mm. So, what I mean by that is it starts with everyone needing a sanctuary or a mm. place to be. What is my role in? whatever context I find myself in, right? Uh, I'm not saying that that role is necessarily good or bad or finished or complete, but I need a landing space. I, I, so this this, a place, and when I say radical belonging, it's, it's undefined, it's defined by me in the sense of where I find myself. So that's kind of where, in terms of formation, I need somewhere to go, whether that's a digital space, whether that is a classroom, whether that is in my living room, I need a landing pad, right? Nothing can happen until I'm still right? I need to find that landing pad and then hospitality, someone has to let me in. Hmm. Um, someone has to open the door, whether that is a door of a church, whether that is online, a zoom host or whatever a web designer, someone has to open the door to let me in. So there has to be hospitality also has to be a part of belonging. I can't belong only to myself and I need someone to open the door of the space I need to be. And then transformational is that hopefully through that process, and through others and listening uh, to one another, we find ourselves in a new place. Uh, there's a journey aspect of formation, right? And what I love about uh, kind of the discussion that we're we're, we're having uh, this weekend is one thing that struck me is how formation. There's a hint that it needs to be curated, not controlled, mm. right? There still has to be some kind of fostering, mm. some kind of uh, whether that is tradition or native language or wherever your foundation is, there has to be some kind of curation of the experience, but not control, which I think is tough for the church to make that transition. Uh, I think from this is the way we need to form you, as opposed to let's curate an experience that we might learn from each other. That's pretty Stunned silence. Done. Lisa, end the podcast. (laughs) No, no, no.
3: So I'm thinking a lot because (laughs) I like the word transformation that you said. That's the word I keep hanging on because i think about all of the experiences that i've had small churches large churches and more often than not i think we've become these professionals at doing church Mm. and the reality is what i want to see is life's lives transformed, relationships transformed, people actually following Jesus. And so um, when I think about formation, I want, how does that happen? And I think a lot of times the frustration in us is we want a formula, we want a method, we want like, give me the answer, Lisa, Mm -hmm. so I can do it in like six easy steps or take a class or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's not reality. Like it actually, it's, Matt, what I liked about what you said is this kind of, you said something about control that I was like, yeah, we got to release control mm-hmm. to give people the ability to experience those awakenings and then take the next step themselves and have people in the driver's seat of their own like spiritual journey. Yeah. And for pastor types like myself, that's real difficult. Yeah.
1: yeah. Can I add a follow up? One of what sure. I didn't add that I probably should have is authenticity. Yeah. That, that formation, there has to be an authentic element Uh, to that? Because I know that authenticity is a big part of your ministry. Uh, Can you say a word about authenticity in terms of being formed?
3: (laughs) Well, I think think a lot of people, you know, you come in, I'm just thinking about the definition you put forth, like, okay, there's the space, this container, if you will, even for people to come into a space, it's a scary encounter like i think about whether it's a digital space whether it's like there's a little bit of fear and trembling so mm. if we can just be ourselves like you know show up at whatever time in the morning without my hair done or makeup or whatever and um just be my authentic self suddenly people like they feel like oh i have permission to be here and if we if we bring our full authentic selves into a conversation, we also are automatically giving people permission to be their full authentic selves as well. So that's why it's so important to me that people can be who they are. Cuss words in all, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we've given <laughs> Rachel a warning that she just has watch her language. She's like we oh, have an audience Rachel, here. On, we are live. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You sound like my mama. <laughs> <What> is, there?
1: <laughs> is there a seven second delay or a five
0: second <laughs> Right, you're, right. You're, yeah. I do think it's worth you saying just a little word. You gave an example of, you know, showing up first thing in the morning without yeah. your makeup on. Okay. Just, will you just say a word about what you're doing with your Yeah, so prayer? I do this
3: morning prayer time every day except saturday because sometimes you need to take a break so every day and it's at 7:30 and um Sometimes I've worked out. Sometimes I'm like, you never know what I'm gonna look like. I could look pristine. Breakfast with the kids. It's the breakfast bit. with the kids. Everything and my kids are gonna like lose their stuff. Like they are just gonna be kids. they my daughter's gonna like have burgers hanging out of her nose. <laughs> like the whole <laughs> nine. And it's just gonna be the way it is. And pe- many people think I'm like the most patient mother on the face of the planet. No, I'm just trying not to kill my child in front of <laughs> you. <laughs> but there's I, a
1: record. If it's on. No, <laughs> <reality. laughs> it's a record. There's, there's like, evidence.
3: But uh, but it, it's so beautiful and all of these folks from across the country like tune in and they listen not just at 7 30 because some people are in different time zones but uh throughout the day and add in their prayers and those kinds of things and so um the important piece is to show up Not how I look, not if I'm like singing on key or even if I can read the names in the Bible, because sometimes at 730, holy cow, I like skip a few words, you know, I can't get my brain going. But it's just about showing up again and again and again and forming this opportunity for other people to show up just as they are. Mm. So, yeah, that's why it's so important to me, because we're creating this community online for people to just be.
0: It feels really important because that's an example, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but that's an example of how you're using the digital space as a tool um, for gathering folks, for prayer, for engaging in, in formation right there.
1: And you know something about, Christian you knows something about showing up, right? Earlier you mentioned, like you're working out like six days a week, rain or shine, getting it done. You know, Can you say something about how
4: forming that has been? Uh, in your journey, well, sure. When I when I hear "process," the first thing I think is Beyonce, of course. <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs>
4: yes. Yeah, there, yeah. there is hot sauce that's in my right. bag, <laughs> and it was the the moment when, I'm, when the world found out that she was black. But that's another <laughs> thing. That's right. It, just to, to answer the question about making it a whole lot more, to yeah. add more to what you all have said, which is so good. I see formation as a lifestyle. Yeah. Mm-hmm um what has been the main thing that's changed for me is i've gone from a challenge a fitness challenge yeah to a wellness lifestyle yeah mm-hmm. i love that the challenge was the catalyst for it but really what happened was i i got surrounded by other people who had like mind who had a like kind of idea about what life or how, how to enhance their life in a better life and we got together on a way of doing it mm. mm-hmm. not the way sure. but a way and found that our faithfulness and our accountability to each other mm-hmm. led to great results i i see formation really about this process however it takes place asynchronous however it takes place mm. of becoming more and more not just like jesus but to be jesus mm.
3: christian when you talk about this i wonder what is the role of like you said accountability but encouragement in the community you find yourself in. Well,
4: I think that that's one of those things. It's it's such a misnomer that accountability is. Oh, I'm just I'm gonna just like <laughs> You're
3: kicking you, my butt. <laughs> you,
4: uh, give me give me five more. Just drop and give me twenty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let me see those twenty. Let me see your receipts. Uh, <laughs> uh, it is every single day we post on a on a group as we're being formed in this, and every day the the outpouring of the good side of a like
2: Mm, the good
4: side of that kind of of engagement Mm. uh is what make people come back the next day and the next day and the next day and that's rooted in affirmation it's it's always someone affirming um there are two there's a mantra that that we use in our faith community around discipleship to make it very simple Mm -hmm. is i am significant Mm. Because God says so. Oh, I yeah. Love that. Right. And then I am significant and I was created to do significant things,
1: mm-hmm.
4: which is this whole process a lifetime, a lifestyle of discovering your significance, which is intrinsic. And it is um, it is endowed by your creator mm-hmm. and not by outside things, but getting to a place where you can recognize that truth but also getting to a place where you realize my life is really about the job description that was given to us in the beginning, which was we are to be stewards of creation Mm. and return what we're stewards of in better condition than we found. Right. Mm. Hebrew, you know, it's, 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 and that job description didn't change with a so-called fall. It's, Mm. it's our job description. So formation for me is, is a bit of the hero's journey.
5: Oh it's, yeah, yeah!
4: It's first being awakened to the fact that I'm sleeping here. Mm-hmm. That, that there's something gnawing at me, saying there's something beyond this life and something beyond my 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 existence the way it is. And if I accept that call to adventure, mm-hmm. then I can cross into this other mm-hmm. place that's the, really the real world, if you will. Mm-hmm. Think Matrix, if you will. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I think the church, as we're supposed to be the one making that clarion call,
6: mm-hmm.
4: you know, to adventure. For people to accept, and then we're supposed to equip them along the way, with the outcome being that we launch them back into the world they came from, right? To awaken others.
7: Yeah.
4: Uh, and that continuum is what I think formation is all about, and and all of the things that happen along the way that take us from walking towards Jesus to walking with Jesus.
0: Mm. I love that the way you're describing that. There is a. a- a significant piece, of, to use the word significant, there's a significant piece of this that is about um, how we are formed and shape. We are beloved children of God and formation is about owning and claiming that and then living into it in a way that says, I cannot hold back on the goodness of uh, I think about Father G, who says we're all unshakably good, right? that that we claim that goodness and then we live it in a way that makes the world a a better place or whatever that impacts the world. So there is a sense of claiming our belovedness and then living it out for the sake of the kingdom of God or the common good, the well-being of of
4: if I will, what works against us is Western culture. You know, mm. uh, we have a culture, not only of consumerism, but we have a culture of individualism, rugged yeah. individualism. Right. So it says that the highest form of living in this world is for me to be successful, financially independent, or actually, independent. I don't need anyone, don't tread mm-hmm. on me, just as long as you don't mess with me, I, I don't need anyone, and happy. Mm. And my retort to those, is that, to that, or my my challenge to that, is that all those things are not bad intrinsically. They're not bad. But they're just milestones along the way. They're not the end of the journey. Because if you get to any of those things, any of us who've been happy, any of us who've been successful, any of us who've been independent, we get there and realize this can't be it. This yeah. isn't it. This is not this it. this is not there has got to be more. This is not right? it. So, so just to, to go with that, it's not success, it's significance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Success happens along the way.
0: The move not, from success to
7: significance. Exactly. Right. It's not yeah.
4: independent. It's interdependent. Mm-hmm. Which is how we were created in the first place.
7: That's right. You know, yeah. the
4: creation poem is all about perichoresis, as well as the the which is you know the divine mm-hmm. dance of the the, mm-hmm. the Trinity, Trinity, if you will, yeah. as well as the creation of people in in community for each other, mm-hmm. just like in, in relationship with each other. So it's it, it's not about independence, about independence, and finally, it's not about happiness or pursuit of happiness because happiness happens, dance comes and goes. These are about the formation of freedom as the actual goal mm-hmm. i'm making you free indeed i'm setting you free from the penalties of however you want wherever wherever you are on your theology and your of atonement it's really about freedom yes and if we're if we're driving towards those right destinations that is the that is what for me formation is all about yeah one of the, one of the big big things to watch out for is our culture church culture was built around we form you to stay.
3: Yeah, that's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, so you you
4: got to ush Deek, <laughs> <laughs> sing. Yeah. You know, uh, children. You got to do the stuff in here, inside these four walls, and that's formation. Wesley foundations were about we got to create pastors
2: mm-hmm.
4: and clergy, right. and not just leaders and what have you. I, I, know yeah. we're, I know we're running over, but I just I just wanted to make sure I no, it's that in. No, it's beautiful.
0: That formation and, always goes somewhere. It, yeah. it really is about the sending, All right, This is so good. So let's get some more folks in here. And I, I really want our listeners to have a chance to hear some of the ways that you all are connecting with folks in online space. And so let's introduce um, three more folks. Uh, Rahini Drake, hello. Great to be with you. Jeremy Steele. Hi and Derek Scott. What's up? Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for doing this. And so Rahini, will you tell
7: us a little bit about your ministry? Yes. So I'm part of a church in Richardson, Texas, and our online worship service um, is pre-produced and it mimics probably most closely to a traditional worship service experience. And we've put this uh, service every week out on YouTube, but we made the intentional choice to try and um, address people where they are, um, if they're worshiping at home or in their cars, that this experience is for them to worship basically with their church community, just at whatever time they're ready, not when we're ready on a Sunday morning. Basically, it's almost like we've decentralized church for people. Mm -hmm. And so the way that they're interacting um, also is that they send us emails or they text us during the service, whenever they're worshiping with us and connecting, not just with us, but the idea is to connect them with each other in this online community. And I think it's for us to say that just to name it, that that's still like the next step, the next iteration of how, how do we do this to, Connect people not just with us as a church, um, as staff, as clergy, but to find ways for them to interact with each other. One way that we found or that we're trying is holding space for people like a Zoom call style, like pandemic style, creating a space for them to gather. So these people that are basically anonymous to each other because they're watching on YouTube at different times of the day, different days of the week, can have a space to see each other in person. Like, oh, that's the person who chats in from you know Alabama that's our California friend Uh, and for them to try to create relationships as they're experiencing worship in a unique and different way and that I guess is where we're trying to grow and try to create more space for that really all that is is a place where we play games like we see each other and we play fun games online and then ask each other how the week's been and then engage in some conversation about maybe the sermon topic or just a question that we pose to whoever wants to join. Um, and one way that we've done this is for one of our first gatherings all the people who decided to uh, join us sent us their email and we sent them uh starbucks gift cards so they could like grab a drink before they met and so we kind of had this commonality like oh what drink did you get oh i got this one this was my favorite just to kind of break down those barriers of like oh there are real people and like when i'm home and i feel like i'm alone watching a service or somebody's um um, offering me communion, but it's on a TV screen or right. or a computer screen. There are other people out there that are also experiencing the same thing as me. And I can see them now and I yeah. can make those connections. Yeah. We wanna help, we wanna be part yeah. of it. We wanna support when someone says, oh man, I've just had a terrible week. Like, hey, I'll pray for you this week. So it's just a, a new space to do the things that we've done in person, but in this online version of what that looks like. I love that you're using the language of we're trying, we're trying
0: this, we're trying that, (laughs) like you're constantly (laughs) learning and paying attention and deciding how you're going to tweak or how you're going to, we're going to scrap that one and we're going to try this other thing. And and that feels really important for sure. The theme is trying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Jeremy, will you share a little bit about what you're doing?
6: Yeah, sure. We are focused on Reaching millennials and Gen Z who used to go to church and don't anymore. And it turns out that, like, a pre produced worship service is not at all what they're interested in.
2: <laughs> the, for yeah. that target audience, sure, doctor, yes. Yes. Right? That, yes.
6: that, that's, if they wanted that, they would have been coming. Um, <laughs> uh, so we did a lot of, like, listening. And, you know, what it turns out that those people are actually spiritually engaged, right? And we asked them, do you, do you feel like you have time with God? Do you connect with God? They all said yes, except for one. And, and it was through nature, art, social action, uh, meditation. And Those millennials, Gen Z, who used to go to church and don't anymore, which is actually 70% of them, right? That's a lot of people. And so, you know, they said, yes, they are still connected with God. And all of them had used an app at some point uh, to try to connect with God. So we we said, okay, so we'll, we'll start putting together spiritual practice videos that we'll release through an app and we'll see if they will click on them and if they will watch them. It's called Zoe, uh, the full life, right? The Greek word for the full life. Uh, and the reason we chose that was because there's been a lot of research done that says when people regularly engage in spiritual practice, their life is better, right? They're less stressed, they have a more fulfilling life. And so the idea is that if we put these like ancient spiritual practice tools that we have access to because for thousands of years we've been, you know, we've been charting out these um, paths, we put those in the hands of people. Their lives will be better. And over, you know, about a year, we released 120 spiritual practice videos. But what was really interesting is like this sort of iteration, right? So uh, the the backend tool that we were using allowed us to watch people's viewership. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if it was like a little line and the, the you know, like the top left, that was 100% of people that started it. And you could watch the line go down all the way until like you knew how many people finished it. And so that was really interesting because, you know, we could really, you know, after we released like 30 or 40 videos, we did a little data deep dive sure. and some of our videos, most good news was most of our videos were pretty good. <laughs> our instincts were right, but there were some of them that were just dogs. Mm-hmm. Like they like started and then within a couple of minutes they fell off. But then the other thing that was really interesting is some of our videos have this notch somewhere in the video where like at the exact same moment, like five to 10% of the people just dipped out. And so we went back and we started playing through those, because remember, these are people who used to go to church and don't anymore. So they have some sort of spiritual vocabulary, but they've also chosen to opt out. So there's some reasons that they, some things that they don't like. So what was really fascinating was that all the places where we had this strange notch happen, it was where we used the word Bible. So. So we're, we're doing this, the church that I I was working for was in Silicon Valley, had like Silicon Valley startup coach, a marketing person who used to do marketing in Apple. And, uh, the, the startup coach is like, Jeremy, I don't, I don't know anything like I'm, this is not my like spiritual stuff is not my, my forte. He said, but the question I've got, I need to know is like, and he's like, I really don't know the answer, but how important is the word Bible? Uh. And we're just like, you know, like a sort of lean back. (laughs) And I was like, now there's an interesting question, (laughs) right? You know, and at the end of the day... Like it was the content from the Bible that was important, not the word Bible. Mm -hmm. And so we did some tests, right? We took the exact same video and we replaced, I mean, exact same video. We replaced the word Bible with ancient spiritual text. And so instead of it saying in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, there's a time and see, it says, uh, or in the the book of the Bible of Ecclesiastes, it'll say "In in the ancient spiritual texts, called the book of Ecclesiastes. Like it's the exact same thing and the notch is gone. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Which is like, fascinating on so many levels, but I think this is also something that's interesting for us on the digital ministry side. So we're in these sort of pioneering roles and there, so at, the, at the base level, we're trying to figure out how to make sticky videos, like spiritual practice videos that actually people will watch, right? Because it doesn't really matter if we make videos that nobody cares about. But I think there's this other layer because in the digital world, we get data, not just that people report to us, we get actual data it helps you say okay well that's really interesting because you know i mean if the word bible means that these people are not going to listen to the bible then we can just stop using that word right and i know that at this moment for a lot of podcast listeners they're like climbing the walls yeah but but i (laughs) mean but that's what's interesting though i think at this moment in time is uh, some of the data that we get back from people uh from some of these digital like i'm sure that you've got viewership data is that's similar and you can look at that kind of stuff and be like oh yeah yeah yeah. when this person talks people like tune out right but i think because i really think long-term looking at these kind of things can help us like in like communication and you know all of there's there's just so many layers as we're looking at this that go beyond just the like i want to help people engage with god to like i really also want to help people be more effective in digital ministry and doing this kind of these data dives um, can help us with that
0: right hey derek will you tell us a little bit about your ministry too
5: so I lead a digital campus ministry that is called Studio Wesley. It actually started in the campus ministry that, along with a team of people, we founded about 11 years ago. And it was really just kind of following the rhythms of our on the ground campus ministry, but creating content that served our students. Uh, we just got this opportunity to devote full time attention and some resources to Building a digital campus ministry, if you will. And so
0: that's so good. Congratulations well, and, and
5: and I, I it's it's so interesting. Uh, we've only been in this a few months, and you know the the big question we're asking is: I mean, we've been producing content, podcast, and different things like that for a minute, but is that it, or is there an opportunity to make disciples? Yeah. Is there an opportunity to develop leaders? Uh, is there an opportunity to even create opportunities for belonging? and that's those are the questions that we're asking right now um, and and about to release some new content but really trying to get away from simply putting out more stuff and you know we know that college age young adults are not one type of person, they're not all at four-year institutions, they're yeah. not all uh, even going straight through four years, even if they are <laughs> attending those four-year institutions, right? And so how do we meet them where they are? Uh, we know that college students, college age young adults are in the digital space. And so the question, big question we're asking is how do we just provide a connection, uh, a meaningful connection beyond content generation um, in those spaces? Mm-hmm. And um, And I'll just say that my big heartbeat is the development of leaders for the digital space yeah Um, i i love all the things we get to do and the things we're trying but the thing that i spend the most time thinking about are the young adults who are supporting this work of studio wesley and what does it mean to mentor them what does it mean to walk with them as they are creating content or cultivating online spaces for people what does it mean to Develop digital pastors. What is and 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 how do we make sure that yes, we're going to be in digital spaces? But what does it mean to hold on to your soul as you are, you know, establishing your space in the metaverse? Is that is something that happens, you know, <laughs> or just your your profile on TikTok? Right. Uh, what what does it mean to continue to be a follower of Jesus in that space? And that is the thing that beyond all of the stuff that we're trying, that we're thinking I loved, Rohini, just that we're trying these things. The biggest thing for me is, and who are these young adults mm-hmm. as we're doing all of this work in a digital space? So uh-huh. And so being able to experience the process of cultivating a team mm-hmm. in creating Studio Wesley is its own gift. And I haven't said a thing about, how are we actually serving students? <laughs> and I and I know that in some respects, because we literally are still in that space of, yeah. are we going to be an authentic team to each other? Or are we just going to do what every other digital company does? Yeah. And just have employees. I mean, I'm just not... That's not what I'm called to. And I don't think that that's what we're trying to do either. So that
0: even the way that you're forming this work and this ministry is about connection, just as the ministry is about connection.
5: Connection and care. So one of the things that we um, sort of continue to work on is, It's called The Wellness Project, and it's in cooperation with another foundation in our state. And it's uh, cultivating resources for college-age young adults at the intersection of mental health, wellness, and faith.
6: Mm, mm -hmm.
5: We slowed our work down because we started during COVID, and COVID affected us all. Yes, I had my incredible, awesome plan that (laughs) had we not had COVID, we just would have dominated. But COVID was affecting the team. And so... If we're going to, I mean, it's just hypocritical to we're, put out wellness it, 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 resources <laughs> and you're working your team. Yeah. Right. But then, and this is the unfortunate part, you know, this this half of year, every member of the core team lost someone close to them. Mm-hmm. Me being the last person. My brother passed just over a month ago. Yeah, sorry. And the question I asked when Brooke's grandfather died was, so am I... Is she still required to produce? Right. I mean, yes, our work is digital right. ministry, content creation. We're trying all of these things. But if I, it, it does not seem authentic to me as a leader mm-hmm. to push our team who is processing grief.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: We're mm-hmm. still good. And again, I don't know if this is actually going to work. I don't know <laughs> if stopping the, the, the grind because we all are experiencing mm-hmm. something will translate into how we do our ministry, but I know what it looks like when we don't do that. When we don't, yeah. right. Yeah. And, and so Studio Wesley continues to be this
0: huge
5: project uh, and an opportunity to everything we're trying to put out into the world, making sure that it really is like embedded within the actual team and how we do our work together. Um, So we'll see what happens.
0: Nice. I really appreciate you all sharing your your ideas and your ministries, but also a spirit of experimentation and learning, which Mm. seems really critical. So I specifically wanna ask about experiments in the metaverse. And so we've asked a couple of our friends from Ginghamsburg Church to be with us. John Worledge. Hi and Dan Bracken.
8: What's up? Awesome.
0: <laughs> Thank you, guys. So will you tell us a little bit about what you're working on?
8: Yeah, we.
9: Um, it's kind of just been exploration. Um, it's one of those things where it's still fairly new as it develops. And like what we're finding is it's a lot broader than just virtual reality. I mean, yes, virtual reality is kind of the hallmark piece of what the metaverse so to speak is being built upon but it's not the only thing it's we're seeing kind of decentralized organizations and places where things are just working together all kinds of different places and outside of just the one area and so it's it's really interesting just to play and explore and see what's out there.
8: Earlier this year in January, we put out a digital discipleship survey to our church family just to see where their heads were at. Like what's their temperature on the whole digital conversation. So we tested different terms like uh, DAOs or de- yeah, decentralized autonomous organizations, right? Uh, digital currencies. We asked if they knew anything about the metaverse. So just a slathering of terms. We also asked for feelings around uh, social media, uh, different social media apps, and things like virtual reality, so on and so forth. We got a whole list of uh, really good uh, feedback from our congregation. Turns out, a lot of the people that were surveyed, uh, which we got about 180 responses, hmm. most everybody knew about cryptocurrencies, but nobody knew about Discord, which is a, a social. Ad. So you know, there's got some really good feedback. Yeah. Um. But out of that, we also found out that there were probably about 30 people who were really interested in receiving digital discipleship training, people who were well-versed in uh, vocabulary, digital vocabulary, Mm -hmm. and also had an interest in volunteering or serving or learning more. Mm -hmm. And so we reached back out to those people um, and invited them to a virtual reality training night. TMF, of course, was generous enough to provide a grant that allowed us to purchase seven VR headsets for the church. And so we- All about
0: seed money. I know, I know. Experimenting and-
8: (laughs) And that's exactly what it was. Like, okay, we've got these headsets now. Like, what are we doing? Well, first thing we we knew what we needed to do we needed to educate our people Mm -hmm. we needed to just put them in it Uh, and so that was the first thing we did we had 17 of those people show up on a Friday night for an extensive three hour training Um, we called it a VR digital discipleship training experience kind of thing. Yeah, I think that was actually what we named it.
5: (laughs) Kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
8: (laughs) Because we didn't, I mean, what else do you call that? But we set it up in five different rooms. And so we had five different headsets and split people up into five different teams. And we just took turns um, exploring different social VR apps, uh, a couple games. They, of course, all had to experience virtual reality as our staff avatars because you'd have to link the headsets with your personal Facebook Uh, accounts. Right. Yeah. So a little, a little weird, but that was probably the word for the night was a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. It was a little weird.
9: Yeah. Well, and it was, everybody's experience was a little different because we tried to, we tried to create shared experiences and then we ran into connection issues obviously. So then it's this whole thing, but it's still, we were able to create this environment where, You know, we had the individual groups in each individual room, but then each room was connecting together. And so it really kind of encapsulated what digital ministry and digital discipleship can be because the whole hope and the whole goal is to take people from just digital relationships to really create face-to-face interpersonal relationships and connections that can point each other closer to Jesus. And it's doesn't have to be based on a geographic location, but it's how do we bring people together yeah. through it.
0: So yeah. I know these are early stages and mm. you're exploring and you're just kind of testing the waters and you're having conversations and I love how you identified who your kind like of core team. Yeah, your immediate <laughs> yeah, yeah. core <laughs> conversation partners would right. be in this work. And 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 you were just starting to say this, John, but paint a picture for us of what you imagine could be possible.
9: It's really an environment of creating relationship and it's it's about consistency and so one of the things that we've tried to build is a place where people within we've we've built it in Horizon Worlds which is one of the platforms but we've created a safe space where people can come for prayer and whether it's mm-hmm. it's a open space throughout the week that they can come. But we we have different people on our staff team that we host it 1 hour a week which is just kind of how our schedules pan out but we have someone present in this space and so if someone enters we're able to engage them in conversation and really help direct them towards some connection with Jesus and we haven't like we haven't seen as much fruit from it as we'd hoped yet yes yeah, so don't ask us if anybody's visited <laughs> because nobody has <laughs> <laughs> but we're still trying to be consistent yeah, right. and but but really it it creates opportunities to connect with with kind of the missing pieces in the church like one of the the pieces and i don't remember dan you may remember where we heard this but the missing demographic in the church in america right now is men between the ages of 18 and 35 and if you look at meta's data of who are the the most prominent age demographic who are using meta headsets and it's that demographic of men between the ages of 18 and 35. And so it's really how do we as the church and how do we as the body of Christ tap into that and one of the pieces of feedback we got from our our vr night was somebody equated it to the rise of hollywood and the rise of the film industry and when that was really starting to boom in the 20s and 30s and 40s the church's response was to push away from it and say oh no no that's that's gonna steer us away from christ and now you look and there's this wide divide between traditional Hollywood and kind of the Christian Hollywood and just within the quality. And so one of our, one of our volunteers who, who attended that night, his response was, if the church can get in on the ground floor and if the church can have influence on the direction of, of what could be just imagine the possibility, imagine the potential
8: and the the reach of, yeah. of where that can go. So it's really exciting. So my preferred future as a storyteller, that's, mm-hmm. that's my bread and butter. I love video storytelling. It was the medium that I really uh, started out with is the potential for 360 uh, storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, empathy building, this this idea that you can take somebody in your congregation, put a headset on them and transport them across the world to experience something that they've never experienced right. before outside of their local place, right? And they
0: don't have to have a passport and get right, on right, an airplane. Right. Yeah, and,
8: and so go- just this past July, I went to El Salvador with a 360 camera
0: mm-hmm.
8: uh, and was able to Put it down at the dinner table as we were eating with our our friends and people that we're in ministry with in El Salvador. You know, just no no video editing to it, just a singular capture. But now we've we've created a, a playlist on YouTube of 360 videos that you can access through a VR headset to wow. just sit and be and to make your own observations and, and
9: we've got we've got videos from baptisms we've got video from our easter egg yeah. which that one's a little terrifying because it's several hundred small children running at, 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 and at screaming you. Sure. looking yeah. for
8: easter eggs but it's it's well, that invert Im- immersive environment so a step further a step further there's a uh, i forget what the vr experience is called but there's an app that you can download that actually wakes you up inside of a homeless person's tent and so it's this blend of 360 recording of a real person's tent being like arrested and dragged out of her tent Um, but then it fades to black and then you open up in a virtual environment it's still her tent but you can reach out and grab her mug and then it plays an audio story of where the mug came from you can pick up her journal and flip through it you you can pick up her family photo and you and it like flashes back to a memory of her and her family family. And so like immersive empathy building storytelling where you can like take somebody and transport them into somebody else's life uh, is just... Uh, mind-boggling to me the potential for experiencing what other people are going through and building empathy across people groups
0: right and if yep. you think about uh, you know kind of our, our our meta work here well I don't mean yeah. you know, that work <laughs> if you think about the the work and the conversation we're doing here and thinking about what online space mm-hmm. makes possible
9: yep. yeah. for
0: formation yep. I mean, that's what you're talking about mm-hmm. right. is that here is a, a tool if you will a space that that builds empathy, that helps create experiences that change changes the life of the participant, the mm. perspective of the participant, which can then make an, an impact on the world. Absolutely. I love that.
9: Yeah. Thanks, absolutely. guys. You're welcome. Thanks for being with me, and for Thank sharing your you. stories pleasure.
0: and what you're working on. All right, let's get Phil Dickey in here. Hey Phil.
10: Hello. <laughs> Glad to be here.
0: So In the midst of this conversation, you have helped us over and over again, actually (laughs) repeatedly, um, see the ethics involved in the online world. So while there are certainly opportunities available to us in the online space, we wanna be aware that there are ethical implications too. And so can you just share some of what you've been thinking and working on?
10: Yeah, so I heard a a quote recently and it's just, it's kind of haunted me. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of been what I've meditated on for the last, I don't know, month or two as I've been preparing for this and just knowing that we're having this gathering. And it comes from Edward O. Wilson, have you ever heard of E.O. Wilson? He was a biologist and a naturalist, and uh, he kind of came up with the idea of sociobiology, which I didn't even know was a thing until I started down this rabbit hole. But his quote says, the real problem of humanity is the following. We have paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike technology. Wow! Right? And then he says, and it's terrifically dangerous and it is now approaching a point of crisis overall. Wow. So that's what's like okay. sits in my mind is uh-huh. I think of of all the things that we could be doing church-wise in digital spaces. Um, and I, I keep coming back to the basic three principles, right? Like the... Um, the three general rules of do no harm, do all the good you can and stay in love with God and like hold these things in tension, right? There's an infinite amount of possibilities that we have in digital spaces. And yet, like what is the harm that could be done through those spaces as well? And how does that balance with the good we could be doing in those
0: spaces too? Right, right. So can you get specific a little bit on Mm -hmm. some of the ways you see the potential for harm? Yeah. I
10: mean, even in our conversations that we've been having here is, is that the technology doesn't have ethics, right? But the reality is the people behind the technologies do or don't have ethics, mm-hmm. right? And so one thing that we've seen over and over again from a lot of the platforms that we use to engage people in digital ministry is those platforms do a lot of harm to people, right? And, and there have been plenty of books written and podcasts that have been told about the various different platforms and the reality is, is they continue to choose profit over people. And so, um, I think a couple of the dangers are if you knew that somebody was being harmed in a space, would you continue to invite them back into that space over and over again? I mean, hopefully, the answer would be no, right? Right? Well, one of the things we know about Instagram is that, you know, it's really detrimental to young girls. And so, in some ways, we have this this balance of if the the people are there we want the church to be there right and so one of the best ways for a long time to connect with with youth was through instagram groups or you know those those kind of chat features but the reality is like research shows that they think less of themselves the more time they spend on instagram so how do we balance this idea of being in the space where it's present there versus also like encouraging them to be in spaces where they're going to Think less of themselves, and then also, like, possibly, you know, self harm and things that, that follow that as well. Like, those are really serious conversations to have.
0: Yes, and so, uh, is it, you know, just don't get on social media at all? Is it picking and choosing? Are there other platforms? What are yeah. some? I, I mean, I'm not asking you to fix it. Sure. It's, but I, but I'm curious what you're finding, and if there are some alternatives. And, yeah.
10: I don't think it's don't be in the space, right? I think if if we're void of this space, then clearly we don't have a voice in that space. And and the reality is, so many people are already in those spaces. And so I do think that there's a potential to be in the space and to create good in those spaces for sure. It, it's a question of really intentionality in the space. Okay. And so, you know, I mentioned Instagram. Like, what are you like? What are you bringing to the space that can do more good as opposed to harm? Mm-hmm. And how are you educating people around both both parents, right? Parents of those youth, yeah. because we're finding a lot too in our churches that the parents aren't aware of these things. And so if you don't feel equipped to have those conversations as a pastor, uh, there are people in your community who do and, yeah. and bringing them in to have those conversations. Yeah. And and then it's to the next level too of like, if you, if you don't feel like you can be proficient in those spaces, then don't force yourself into those spaces right. because then you end up putting yourself in a position to do harm yeah. and not even realize it, yeah. right? Just by being a part of a system that may be causing harm to a specific, demographic of people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It feels really important to raise the level of awareness yeah. about the harm that could happen Absolutely. in those spaces. And so that even as you work with young people, for instance, sure. to just raise awareness so that they can learn to be discerning Right. and also parents, so they can learn to be discerning. And then, you know, obviously, I think you're saying as pastors and leaders in the church to be aware that just because that's where kids hang out doesn't mean that's necessarily the place where we wanna hang out, drawing them more to that space. Right. But if we do, let's use it with some thoughtfulness and some awareness yep. and,
10: uh, and- And you you asked about alternatives. Um, I, I wish I had a, a magic yeah. bullet for that, right? Or yeah. a magic key, bullets a bad word, magic key <laughs> for that, right? To to insert mm-hmm. there, to, to make that happen. I do think there are spaces for that to happen though, right? Um, you know, we we've the church I met. We started using a database that has a group feature on it. You know, where mm-hmm. you can have an app for your church, and there's a group functionality out of that. You know, well, the the good thing about that is, is as administrators, you have the ability to see the things that are happening there, right? So yeah. we know what's happening in that space. Whereas if it's a personal, a person's personal Instagram account, we can't go in there and see what's happening there. So there's a safety feature that's built into the system, and yet gives the space for. More personal connection for people and to build that trust. And to, I mean, during the pandemic, I found myself doing so much pastoral care through Instagram DMs that I never planned to do, right? right it right. just happened because that's where people were, you know? Okay. Now, luckily it's, it's adults and I don't have to worry as much about the youth thing like the, a lot of youth pastors have to, but uh-huh. but the reality is there are platforms emerging in spaces where people are taking these things into consideration and beginning to have these conversations of how do we make authentic connection with people in digital spaces? Because I very much believe that can happen, right? Mm-hmm. I, not even can, I've seen it happen, you yes. know? It's and happening. I, it, it is happening, right? Yeah. Like I say this a lot that, when negative things happen in digital spaces, we very much consider them to be real. <laughs> Why would we not think that positive things can happen there as well? So
0: and that that's real. And that that's
10: real, also, right? Like they're very much real occurrences that are taking place there. Yeah. And I mentioned this in one of our previous gatherings, right? Like a friend of mine, Jim Keat, says it's not the digital is not the opposite of real; it's the opposite of physical, right? There are real things happening in physical spaces and in digital spaces. Spaces, and so. I don't want to lose the fact of that, right? Like, there's yeah. there's really wonderful things happening in digital spaces. We just need to be thinking through what are the ethics behind them as well. And and if you know, if it's not a Facebook or not an Instagram or not a TikTok, right? TikTok has all kinds of like mm-hmm. safety and security issues as well. Like, where are the spaces? And and maybe that's the invitation: is what are we creating then? How are we going to be a part of creating what is next for digital discipleship to take place?
0: That's a great word. Yeah. Thank you, Phil. Absolutely. So I want to introduce you to two final conversation partners who are part of our group. Um, Aaron Mains.
11: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: And Rachel Gilmore. Hi. So you've all have had some experience with online platforms being a way to build new relationships with people who are either duns or nuns, as we call them. So can you share some of your observations about reaching the um, unchurched or dechurched in the digital world?
2: Sure. You want me to dive in? Okay. Yes, uh, please, Rachel. So, Thank you. So I'm a church planter by um, nature. I've just started new faith communities. And so one of the rules in church planting when you're trying to start something from nothing is you want to meet f- at least 40 people every month. That's a lot of people. So you have two choices in this new digital world. You can either meet people online and then try to move it from social to parasocial or in person connections or you can meet people in person and then use all these online platforms to stay connected. So depending on what my initial approach is, things kind of differ. So for instance, a, a crucial thing is that in both approaches, authenticity really matters. You have to be yourself no matter what you're doing because nuns and duns especially will see right through it and then be hurt and triggered by feeling manipulated. That kind of leads to the other one, like relationships always have to be the driving factor not like ROI, like a return on investment. Hmm. Oh, you know, I'm... I had coffee with Aaron twice now and why isn't he coming to church? I'll just ghost him and move on to the next relationship. Like that is manipulative. That is not found in the gospel. That is not helpful at all. So, so when I moved to Phoenix to start a new faith community, I was a mom. So I, I used this app called Peanut, which matches other moms and you're like peanut butter and jelly and you like each other. It's like Tinder for moms. Anyways, um, I was using it to make friends and the first person I met, she was so cool. She still wants nothing to do with church, but she thought she would never have a friend who was a pastor either, but through our friendship, which all started on an app, I've met another mom and now she and her mother are coming to the church. Our kids are being confirmed together. They joined the church last week. So that's not why I went to Peanut. I did it to find friends, but you know, if they want to come to church, I'm not going to say you're not allowed. And then I use like a Facebook group for return Peace Corps volunteers because I'm, I was in the Peace Corps to connect with this really amazing professor at ASU. She's Jewish. So again, like she's not come to the church. I still love and respect her. We volunteer and do community service stuff together, but she connected me to ASU students to help with a Peace Corps podcast. So we're talking on Zoom and finding that platform. And now they still come to my house like once a month and we have dinner and we talk about life and spirituality and faith. So it's like a blend of meeting people online or when you meet them in person, like my only tip is to figure out what their affinity is and to find the platform that makes the most sense. So like when I started organizing regular events for college students, they said, Rachel, if you put this on Facebook, we will never come again because they don't do Facebook. That's like their." feels like their parents' platform. So I had to do TikTok and Instagram, but then we started having a lot of international students come and they're not allowed to have TikTok on their phones because when they go home, it's illegal. So then I had to start using WhatsApp and I'm like, oh my gosh, the platform really matters and you have to be intentional about Reaching them in the right way so that you can continue to grow that relationship. So I just said a whole lot. But those are my thoughts. <laughs> I don't know. What did I miss? I'm sure I missed a ton though, Aaron. What do you think?
11: I think so often when we talk about nuns and duns, we look at statistics as church people, church leaders, it's can be depressing, it can be deflating, and it can feel like a big task and one that we feel like we're probably gonna fail at. Mm-hmm. And but the reality I think is that nuns and duns are just people Mm -hmm. and and we lose sight of that sometimes um when they become statistics and so also they're people that connect with people on a people level (laughs) i said people a lot of times (laughs) Um,
2: yeah
11: so so engaging with them is not um it's not it's not different from engaging from other people and and we know how to do that and i I think sometimes it does take some change on our part. I'm reminded of the story Jesus tells when he talks about uh, the one sheep and the 99 sheep. And you know, the real conversation there is about leaving the 99 to go for the one. And and that that can be a real challenge. I think maybe not everybody is called to that and we have to admit that sometimes. Uh, but there are certainly people who, who are called to that. And, and being able to leave sort of the institutional church maybe, to go be in relationship with people who are, you know, maybe just done with church. When they left church for the last time, they didn't stop being spiritual. They didn't stop wanting the things that faith has to offer them. Um, some of them do, surely, um, some of them do. Uh, but the vast majority, majority of them just fill that void with things like yoga or mindfulness or, in you know, any number of things. And so it's not like they are that they have all these walls put up to you talking to them about things of faith, but more or less they're open, but they also aren't very trusting. <laughs> so, so that's part of it too. And, and I, so I think authenticity, authenticity is important, but also not having a set outcome for them is is a big deal, and that's hard. That's also hard for for church people. Um, oftentimes we want them to to respond to us in a certain way or do a certain thing, follow our adult ed pathway or whatever that might look like. And they're probably not going to do that. And so, it's just going to be a little more complicated.
0: Yeah. So, you all have named a couple of really important things, I think. Uh, One is how inadequate and ill-equipped folks who have long been part of the church feel Mm
2: -hmm. when they're trying
0: to connect with folks who have basically rejected the church or left the church, right? And so there's there's this feeling of inadequacy. And so that's on the church side. Mm-hmm. And then you've also said, look, we're not talking about rocket science here, <laughs> literally. We're talking about being people mm-hmm. who make friends with people and who realize that friendship is, At the heart of this, and relationship is at the heart of this. Whether you're having dinner at your house, or you're on a a peanuts app, or (laughs) whatever, a a mom's app, or or you're um, you're building relationship with folks who are your neighbors, Mm -hmm. or
11: on social media, or wherever, or on social
0: media, that that sort of thing that feels really valuable to say. What does it mean? We're not talking about trying to make good members and I'm using air quote marks there, but you're actually talking about how do you build relationship with people who are people are people. Yeah,
11: yeah sure. Because and you I...
0: care about them, yeah. right? Yeah. Not to like coerce them into faith yeah. or heal them. You and know? you want them to care about you. Like you want to yeah. form mutual relationship where you're breaking bread together and mm-hmm. you're sitting at your kids' games together or you're, you know, you're mm. delving into really hard life things together.
11: Yeah, I understand that. Sort of the anxiety and the apprehension, or the like, how it makes us feel uh, that they've rejected something that we built. But that's also an invitation to prayer for us. That work, that work is not theirs to do, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a big part of this. That work is certainly not theirs to do. That that work is ours to do. Um, yeah. So it begins with us, and it, it's an invitation to prayer. It's the end of who we are, mm-hmm. um, and so we feel inadequate. We feel like we don't have we don't have the tools, or we don't have the whatever in fill in the blank we don't have that to give but that's really the end of ourself and and isn't that the, the perfect invitation point for us to invite God into the mix here
6: yeah
11: and and so that is our work to do that's that's where we can begin to engage with God in a process that invites um, God into the midst of connecting with other people yeah. but you know it's like if, if you're dating you don't want to be a, the bad date you know so <laughs> all right, all right. so I'm not saying that you can't have um, no apprehension or no anxiety, but also maybe work on that some before you try to date. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, and, and inviting uh, those of us who have long been part of the church, mm-hmm. uh, myself included, to be self-reflective. Sure. I mean, what's going on here when, sure. you know, there's anxiety about conversation with folks who haven't long been part of the church, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, One more question, Erin, that I want to follow up on is just how, what has online space made possible as you have been a part of making making space for nuns and duns? Because you, you've really, that's been your passion. Mm-hmm. And so what has online space made possible?
11: Um, I think there's an equality that they bring to the table. They aren't looking for you to be special in any sort of way. Um, they aren't looking for you to be some kind of special spiritual person. And so if when you engage with real human things, so when you engage with, when you on social media or in a chat room or in a place where you're, where you're sort of engaging with a person. When you bring up real things that are real in your life, they're, they're real in their lives too. And then when you explain the way that you work through those things. So maybe it's something, maybe it's like a moment of grief, I'm drawing from a real Facebook conversation that I've had. when my mom died, um, I put that out there and then um, was able to sort of talk about grieving and having a process through that. And in in a certain way, I wasn't afraid to let my faith show through and how I was, you know, I was sad and grieving and and naming all of those things in the same way that that I would do if I wasn't a person of faith. And so then for them to be to you know, for people, I I would get private messages that would say, I just really appreciated what you had to say. And so that it's not so much like um, I'm grieving, but I'm a Christian, you know, and, and there's a way to do this that's very much more Christian and so different from the rest of you. It's more of just it was just a conversation about grief. Being
0: yourself, yeah, being it's just authentic, a, a, and yeah. and
11: something that they can relate to, or it's something that they share. And so once you have common ground with them, and you and there's mutuality of respect between both of you. And so I'm not there to push back and say, well, you wouldn't have that if you knew Jesus or whatever <laughs> it would right. look like. Then you're you're just it's like you said, like we're just we're sort of just people or we're just friends, and they don't have this huge expectation of me to be this like great saint or anything. <laughs> so just be you. Yeah, just right. yeah. So um, and and again I come back to the outcomes like I'm not there to share that so that I can like invite them to church. I I'm just sharing my own life, sharing my own story.
0: Well, thank you both. Thank you for uh, sharing a bit of what you're doing and how you're yeah. reflecting on what online space makes possible.
11: Yeah, thanks for mm-hmm. having me.
0: It's yeah. great. Thank thanks. You. Isn't that so good? Such wisdom and thoughtfulness from these faithful leaders. I'm really grateful. What a gift to have them on our podcast, and what a gift to have you, our listeners. We thought to end this episode with a short blessing and chose this one about change, because all of this conversation about the digital and fidgetal is bringing up lots of thoughts and feelings about change. And our team has returned to this blessing from Kate Bowler again and again. Here it is. Blessed are you, dear one, when the world around you has changed. Everything is different now. Your body, your age, your relationships, your job, your faith, the things that once brought you joy, the way you exist in the world, the people you love and trust and rely on. Things have changed. And it would be silly to imagine you haven't changed with them. You are not who you once were. Bless that old self. They did such a great job with what they knew. They made you who you were, all the mistakes and heartbreak and naivete and courage. And blessed are who you are now. You who aren't pretending things are the same, who continue to grow and stretch and show up to your life as it really is, wholehearted, vulnerable, may be a little afraid, so blessed are we that changed. Igniting Imagination is a production of the Leadership Ministry team at Wesleyan Investive and Texas Methodist Foundation, with excellent editing support from Truthwork Media. Check out our show notes and website
7: for more information about all our guests and how you can follow them. I'm Blair Thompson-White, and from all of us at Leadership Ministry, thanks for listening.